Hi there, welcome to the More Civil Podcast. This is a podcast for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them. I am Mo, and I am your host, ready to spark your curiosity as I take you on this adventurous ride of exploring cultures through the stories of my guests from all over the world. On this show, we get really personal, discussing salient issues that are relevant to our contemporary age and also building community around them. As our guests exercise courage and vulnerability in sharing their life's experiences, we hope that in turn you are inspired by them and that you get the courage in it to set your own stories free. Enjoy the ride and thank you so much for listening. everyone welcome back to the show this is more for those joining us for the first time welcome welcome today i have a fellow professional and someone who is very passionate about so many things that you know speaks to my very soul um, her name is cho she's a writer of modern african culture and lifestyle she's also the host of the africana woman podcast actually met her on the podcast network so that's really you know nice she's also a transformational speaker and mentor who currently resides in zambia she's like the second zambian we're having on the show so shout out to Malongo, our very first Zambian person on the show. She's a proud mother of a teenage boy and is at peace. For many years, she experienced success in her career. However, she fell short in her personal life. Because of that, she managed to transform her lifestyle and lives by the principle K-N-O-W, meaning know your roots. Grow your purpose, where no stands for knowledge, nourishment, operating obedience, and weakness. Hmm. Those are really, you know, words like explain details. As a result of this, Chul is on a mission to ensure African women can create generational wealth from a place of holistic health that is mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. Everyone, without further ado, please join me in welcoming Chul to the podcast. Hey, lady. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> same here, same here. Just shout out to our, you know, Africana. I don't know what that WhatsApp group name is, but I always call it Africana women, even though that's you no, know, that's no of your podcast. But shout out to our peeps there, you know, um, yeah. making life happen wherever they might be, African, the diaspora, and beyond. So um, you are from Zambia, and I know at the time of this recording, there's a lot going on with elections. It's it's just a way that in Africa, when we have elections, we get so worried. You know, it's it's a deep-seated fear of, you know, are we going to be safe? You know, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. But, you know, in all things, you know, we, we know that all things will work to end up working together for the good, hopefully. So um, tell us a little bit more about life growing up in Zambia and, you know, what that was like for you. Mm. So I, uh, I grew up in, I was born in the capital city, but I actually grew up in um, sort of the north of the country. Well, I'll just say north of the, the capital city in another major city, which is called Ndola. And I, you know, one of the things I always remember about our childhood was just how, um, how much we used to be a community, you know, because the kids would be outside playing. So you get home from work and then all the kids, because I used to live in flats, right? 
so all the kids would come to that central area where um, there was a garden and then would all be playing and then at 16 hours so that's 4 p.m you know you would be called in to have a bath and then there's tea time and then um at that time tv only televised um cartoons or children's <laughs> you know content for two hours or one hour at the most so it used to be from 5 p.m to 6 p.m so you know everybody would be glued on the tv <laughs> And, but you, I just felt like, you know, you knew your neighbor, you knew who um, was in your, your space and your community, you know, but right now, my gosh, these kids, these kids are stuck on screens, like, <laughs> and then worse off, I'm not going to mention any uh, organization or company that is basically taken over TV and just supplied cartoons 24-7, listen hello we need these kids to go outside anyway that's just a little rant on my behalf but um yeah but i think also one of the things that was very common in my um my upbringing was the diversity of people that i was surrounded by um like i said i lived in flats and you know we had all sorts of people, whether it was Europeans, um, Asians, a whole wide variety of people that um, that we were exposed to. And I think for me, I learned so much about different cultures through that, playing with the kids. I would, like, literally, I remember the first Indian movie I watched was probably when I was six years old. <laughs> because I had an Indian friend and, you know, would she, her grandmother would take us in and we'd just be sitting there and I'd just be watching these, you know, people dancing, music playing, and I'm just like, oh, how pretty. But <laughs> there's, there's just, there's a lot of wonderful memories from my childhood anyway. Wow, um, as you were just stuck in, it felt like you took a page right out, of, right out of my childhood because it sounds very similar. So growing up in Nigeria, as you know, I'm Nigerian. Uh, TV time was between four o'clock, and you would stick your your face was glued to the screen because it had that rainbow stripes. The only did ping, 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 and it was four o'clock. It's like yay! Exactly. <laughs> if, if, if you missed it, if you missed any show, there was no commercial break. Even though, I think they had probably commercial breaks, but if you missed it, that was the end. Like there was no, right. you know, there was no trying to catch up like on reruns. No replays. Like no replays. No. <laughs> if you had to go pee, that was it. You have to rely on the oral history from your friend <laughs> or your sibling that was there, and you know, good luck catching up on that with those kind of false records. So yes, but now it's. I think it's just. Uh, I mean, the pain points we feel, or even the things we feel, we lost. I think it's 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 moving with the times because I bet that our parents had different. You know, experience. They probably had a lot of things to say about the way we grew up on TV. They probably thought it was too much. <laughs> right. No, no, no. There was a future coming, <laughs> coming ahead. Now, um, so for those that are probably just wondering what this competition will really be like, uh, it's really going to be talking about our love for movies, and I think, or even just not not just movies, just entertainment, but really of a different kind, like how we got started and where we are right now. And even though we might end up talking about some things in a very, I guess, you know, negative way. But it's not. It's just to show that we've come a long way. And what's to say that five years from now, our views will still keep changing? And I think that's one of the things I like about you know um, entertainment and media is you keep searching for what you want. Sometimes you want that escape from 
what seems like reality and what's saying that what you have today is always going to be what, what you're going to have five years from now. So all we're just trying to say is that our views are at this point in time. They might, they might change, you know, two seasons from now, but don't, you know, don't come shooting us there. Oh my gosh, you know, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's allowable. So, um, so talking about just media, what was Zambia TV like? So I don't really get to hear a lot about Zambia. I love that you guys are like, you know, really peacekeeping. Nigerians are very, very loud. I, and I say that as a Nigerian proudly, you know, sometimes not so proudly, but I don't know a lot about Zambia. I mean, apart from just how, I guess, you guys have contributed a lot as far as, you know, into the development of Africa and all that and the changes that you have gone through as a country. But overall, mm-hmm. I can say that it, it feels like a peaceful place, which is, you know, which I like. But what was, you know, Zambia like as far as the TV um, entertainment scene going up? Mm. So the first thing you have to understand is that in Zambia, we've got 74 tribes, right? Um, and then there are seven languages, which are the official local languages. And then you've got English as the, the language that unifies, you know, everyone. <clears throat> so with that many languages, right, um, on the different radio stations, they try to have a, a, about, I think, maybe four radio stations or so. And, you know, some of them would be in the local dialects, you know, whether it's reading the news in all the different, in the seven dialects. Um, but when it comes to the TV, TV was mostly in English. And then when we had news, um, there was a certain time just before the main news where they would read the news in the local languages, right? And then, um, then most of the content would be in English. Um, I mean, it was ah, the days I used to watch. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, we used to rely on, on getting content from wherever. And I, I think Zambians really love their soaps. So, you know, there was a lot of content from South Africa. If you've heard of Igoli um, or uh, what's the other one? Oof, it's gone. But, um, you know, there was a lot of content from South Africa. There was also um, content from Mexico. So there was this one show, my goodness, that was called No One But You. And everyone, when I tell you everyone in the nation used to follow that show. <laughs> And there used to be this character. His name was Max. He was a nuisance. And his mother always used to be crying about him. Like, oh my God, Maximilian, Maximilian. (laughs) And everybody the next day will be talking about Maximilian. And it was just a hot mess. Um, And I think more recently you've had, you know, you've got those types of soaps coming in from the Filipinos. Um... And from India, so, you know, like Z-World and all of that kind of stuff. So, but our, our really, our, we really, people really do love the soaps where you can just get hooked and just follow and follow. And then there's a lot of also comedian type work. Um, for me, I find the comedy is not, it's, it's that easy comedy, you know, I like it to be a bit more, <laughs> I don't know, intelligent. I don't know, dark, but just. You know, it, I don't want it like, oh, someone fell, so I should laugh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
Just that, try that make might, a bit more effort. That might make me laugh. You know what I mean? I have a very dark sense of humor. <laughs> I tend to laugh at very inappropriate <laughs> and it gets me in trouble, but you know, I understand what you so, mean. Comedy can be very subjective too. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I mean the comedy, people love the comedy. Um, and that's where a lot of the local artists um, manage to shine and break through. And then you also had um I'd say back in the day, I'm talking like in the 1990s, sort of the 80s, there, you know, the, the music industry was trying to grow. So there was just a few artists that would stand out and they would come and perform on the national station. Um, and, you know, their styles were um, local styles. So like Kalindula, you know, those types of styles that are more traditional. But I think the artists that are performing right now, they've branched out into... Um, into genres that are more uh, globally uh, listened to. So, yeah, it's it, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. And every and every now and then there'll be like a, you know, a talk show um, that will probably last maybe a year or so, but it does, didn't really take a long time, you know. Like if you're thinking about something like Oprah, like all those years, no. <laughs> you know, it, it would try and then according to sponsorship and whatnot, you know, it would fizzle away. Wow. I mean, let's just unpack all of you said, and I'm going to draw parallels to, you know, Nigeria. So first, it's amazing how when people hear about Africa, they think it's one monolithic, you know, country. Okay, it's a continent, by the way. I mean, just speaking <laughs> Zambia, you know, it's a landlocked country. But look at that, 72 tribes, more than 70 tribes, and with, you know, different languages. And there's just so much diversity that I love about Africa. And I'm glad that with mediums such as podcasts, we can get to share, you know, some of this richness that, that really abounds in, you know, different African countries. And there are definitely differences between, you know, my country, your countries, but there's some similarities as well, you know, because it's why they grouped us together as Africans. We have some shared, you know, um, I guess cultural richness. So that's really good to hear. Um, Nigeria sounds a lot like Zambia, you know, growing up, we, we had all those, I call them exports. So my country used to be under military dictatorship role. And then once the country opened up a little bit, we started, you know, they imported a lot of things, you know, obesity, <laughs> westernized food and all that. And of course, you know, our media. Uh, so I remember growing up, it used to be just local channels. And then sometimes we get like Voltron. And then all of a sudden we started getting Brazilian soap operas. The most popular one in my country was Secrets of the Sand. You know, oh my gosh, you, when you're talking about the Mexican soap opera telenovela, you're talking about, we had, you know, Secrets of the Sun and everybody watched it. Everybody, I mean everybody. Playgrounds, you had kids talking about it. And another one that came into the forest was um, Passions, which is, you know, I think it kind of did well. In, in... <laughs> Listen, I was just about to say Passions. Yes, say yes. Passions? Oh, yes, yes. Teresa and the rich family. I think it did very well in Nigeria because I think of the mysticism with, you know, Tabitha and you know, Timothy. Mm-hmm. Because I, I was trying yes. to, when I came to the U.S., it was one of the things I really wanted to talk to the first American about. And I had no idea what I was talking about. So imagine how really disappointed I was. And then... um in the past 10 years, Z World has taken over a lot of Nigerian um, TV. And so, full disclosure, I had a sari um, for my wedding. Like, I did, like, a sari, like, after party. And this was well before Z World became a thing. I just fell in love with, you know, Indian culture, even though there's so many cultures. I, fa- I fell in love with the TV first, and I started exploring it more. But, of course, as you know, India is so heterogeneous. I mean, there are so many languages. 
language is being spoken there. We're talking about one point something billion people. So it's like, oh, okay. But I, I kind of, it gave me an idea that, hey, there's so much you can actually learn from other cultures. And so I want to stop here a little bit and just talk about how India has also, India became like a passage to other Asian cultures for me. Because without India, I don't think I would have, you know, stepped, stepped into where I am currently. And of course, we also had um, some Mexican TV shows, which I really don't watch. I felt like I feel like a lot of Italian novellas are super dramatic for me. But later on, we started having like um, Matt Wally Adenoga, who who is one of the you know top veterans in my country. He started writing a lot of scripts, and then these were stories that people really connected to. So you had people like you know gluing their eyes to the TV to see what's gonna um, you know go on next, and it had an institute for. Um, upcoming writers to like you know um, be a part of so he had a lot of people writing the scripts and all that so that also helps with promoting local um taste for now i don't really i can't really say so much about what's prevalent on tv like in nigeria because i don't live there anymore but i can just say that i can imagine that with the advent of internet people now and now with netflix you know dstv and so many cable um packages being offered people have you know so many access to stuff but i know for sure that korean drama is making a wave in Nigeria. And the thing about Nigerian is that I should just, I should, we tend to like own things, you know. We, we, we see something we like and we just go all over it. So much so that it, it doesn't even look like what it was supposed to be in the first place. And I see a lot of, you know, Nigerians like jumping on that Korean drama train and, you know, and I'm like, okay, it's really nice to hear, but I hope you take one step further to really understand the culture so that we're not just, you know, um, I guess copying and pasting and doing things in a very tasteless way. So, and I know you also watch a lot of Korean TV shows and Korean um, entertainment as well. So, can you just tell me how that came about and what that has been like for you? You know, again, with one of the first Korean shows that I watched was on ZNBC. Um, they, they, I don't want to say the title, <laughs> but it, it, the, the storyline was she was the first, it's one of the those historic um, pieces, and she was the first physician. Doctor, oh my gosh, I know that one. <laughs> you know it, right? Yes. Everybody knows it. Oh, that, yeah. what, that had the nation glued. That was probably one of the first ones that I watched. And then there was another one, um, which was about this woman. Anyway, she, you know, she was in a family setting, and then I think her husband lost his job, so she went to get a job, and she was a she was a um, a hostess at a restaurant, and you know, there's like men coming through, and uh, anyway, and then her mother-in-law came and moved in the house. It was just like drama. I used to watch it, um, you know, where you sneak. <laughs> for whatever reason, someone put a TV in my room. And then I had a, a cutoff time for sleeping, right? Like maybe the cutoff time was like 8 p.m. And this show used to come on at probably around 10 p.m. So I'd have my lights off and then I'll turn on the TV. And then because it's got subtitles, <laughs> I would just be watching with the subtitles. <laughs> so, you know, I think... Um, I, for I've known about Korean dramas for a long time, but but more recently, I okay I don't really watch TV that much. I'll be honest, I don't watch TV that much. But more recently, I've been watching more Korean dramas, and I watched Marriage Contract. I won't even lie. Listen, that movie broke my heart. 
it broke me. I was having a funeral by myself. I was like, listen, I cannot be alone. Anyway, so <laughs> after that, I was like, mm, mm, mm. these people are trying to kill people out, out here. Like, I'm not going to do this this Korean thing anymore. <laughs> so I stopped for a while. <laughs> I took a break because it just drained me. And then I started again. And then, you know, I was like pacing myself. And I've kind of I've kind of got into this mode where I, I've kind of found like a, a sub-genre, which I, I, I'm now just sticking to because I know why I'm going to watch shows anyway. I don't want to be stressed. Like you people who watch horrors, you people who watch thrillers, I ain't out there for all of this. I want to go in and just laugh and cry. And, you know, I know why I'm watching this show. So, so I'm found this up genre, yeah? <laughs> and then also, I think what's really nice is that um, I want to watch stories which are similar to mine. So I'm a... Um, a 36 year old woman right and i i, I like to, i like those stories that are around are of of um people around that age so you know the younger stories the university teenage those ones um i've watched some but i'm just like okay but i'm relating more to the ones which are more my age you know and it's interesting i'm i'm just having fun with it <laughs> Oh wow! As I just stuck in, I was just like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh!" So marriage contract. Oh my gosh, that was it's a whole it's a roller coaster. You know, Isogen, the main actor, and Yui, just the delivery and yeah. Spoiler: the ending was just you know. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I was even yeah. going to say like, "Listen, guys, yeah, yeah." I'm gonna spoil <laughs> So if you haven't watched these things, just stop the show. Yeah, just stop the show. Pause the speed button <laughs> and skip it over. But because if you haven't watched it by now, then you know you had it coming. It's been six, six years or seven years since the movie. Five years, I think. It's twenty six. Right? Like, so where have you yeah. been? Go yeah, watch yeah, I know, it. I know, I know. There's so many. So I have, I'm not going to tell you how many Korean dramas or Korean TV shows, movies I've seen, because I started watching this more than 10 years ago, and it's been a lot. And I have mm. seen them struggle a lot as far as the writing all over the place. Mm. But then they've come to a place now that they can actually have some bad writers. And I can say I've watched some really horrible Korean TV shows, but I can still get away with it. Why? Because of the aesthetics and just you know mm. the the use of either uh, 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 the girl the main leads or you know the female or the male they're usually very beautiful people mm. that they use so they can get mm. away with so many things and of course the technology and all the things that they do but I, I also want to just add here before I talk about my love for Korean TVs I used to love Hollywood and I I think a little a part of me still you know mm. I honors it because Hollywood for me was still remains one of the most, I guess, innovative. Because if you think about just how much money has been spent and how much influence it has had on a lot of, you know, um, media entertainment complexes around the world, that's, you know, saying something. Whatever, however I may feel about Hollywood, some might want to, you know, you know just boycott them all together. We cannot deny the influence they've had. And growing mm-hmm. up as a child, you know, um, I, 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 I love the American TV shows. Like Friends um, mm-hmm. was one that I would watch a lot and I had friends in school then that that was, you know, we had different characters. I was like the Monica. We had another friend who was a ritual and we would just laugh and talk about stuff. And for, so for me, Hollywood was, I think, was a good place to kind of learn more stuff. Of course, I learned a lot about pop culture from Hollywood. And there was a summer, I remember I was going from GS3 to SS1 and I wrote everything down. I watched a hundred and something movies on CDs. hundred and something movies. 
and I could tell you, I, I, I might not be able to go into all the specific specific details, but I could tell you the synopsis of each movie. That was how much of the Hollywood, you know, head I was. But now I really don't watch a lot of TV shows. Um, I tend to do more of my oldies, like my reruns. So every year I have like a Friends marathon that I do. I love The Office. I do that marathon. Um, I also love Sex in the City, you know. Um, it's a little bit raunchy, but I just, I like the friendship between. If you we, if we didn't consider just Samantha's craziness and over-the-top nature, I like the friendship between those four people. And so I, I watch that, you know, once in a while. I love Corby Enthusiasm. So, but I think ever since I forayed into Korean drama, I find some things, almost like I've lost patience for some things I see in, you know, um, American movies or even, you know, um, TV shows. I, I want stories. I want I want things that impact my life. I want things that are reflective of my values. And I know this sounds selfish, but if you think about it, why do we watch TV shows? Because we want a form of escapism. And there's only so much sex and violence my brain can take. I think there's something Korean dramas do to you that almost like when you see things that are not right, you just have this, I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm just going to go put on my phone and, you know, catch up on my next episode and something else, you know. So... <laughs> Um, that has been it for me. But I, before we start talking about just the differences we're seeing, I just wanted to you know say that you know Hollywood you know has a lot of influence, and I, I probably wouldn't even be talking about Korean drama just so if I didn't have you know um, that experience with you know movies from and TV shows from Hollywood. So I'm just curious to know what has that been like for you? Have you seen any differences since you started watching Korean dramas or even TV shows? Did you did you find it very difficult to like go back to things you used to like to watch before? Mm, yeah I mean I just want to echo what you've said I um there was a period in my life when I was a, a proper movie junkie movie series like listen even right now you can ask me about a show and I'll probably be able to tell you something in that thing because what I do I'll be honest with you is I I sample shows right so usually I I would watch maybe a season and then I don't continue with, you know, the 12 seasons that come afterwards. I'm like, who has time? But at least I'll know the characters. And if somebody's talking about it, I'll be like, oh, okay, this is what's happening. So, you know, for me, um, Hollywood has played a, a major role in my life in terms of entertainment. I, I have been a proper junkie. I've watched a lot. I have watched a lot. <laughs> I won't even lie. <laughs> but I must say that, you know, right now my tolerance is, is actually zero more because a whole movie, a whole um, US movie, right? An hour, 30 minutes. I fall asleep in the first 15 minutes, but I will watch a 16 hour show. Mm-hmm. A 16 hour series. How does that make sense? Make it make sense. Then you tell you that there is a big problem in Hollywood. That's I mean, that's where I'll start. <laughs> no, but I also like, think it doesn't that, make sense, right? It, it does make sense. I agree with you. But I think there's also an intentionality behind Korean TV shows. In that it's purposely engineered to keep you, you know, um, glued to your screen. It's the slow storyline, and mm. it, so uh, take for example, a typical American TV show can last for ten seasons. Like, what are you guys doing in ten seasons? I used to long for. I mean, if it's not like a medical TV show like House, I can get because House has like different cases. But mm. if it's just boy meets girl, what are you guys talking about? Ten seasons long. Coming Korean TV show. Where, by the way, do you know that every week? They actually do the writing. It's writing on demand. 
I know. I, I, I when I was researching, I was like, wow, they it's, are so intense because then they're also getting feedback from yes, the audience. Yes. And I I even read that, you know, some of the recording is like up to 30 minutes or even whilst the show is showing. I'm yes. just like, this is insane. Yes, a writer can change course based on the viewership. That's crazy. people are demanding that this guy and this girl, they don't have to be together. They can change the course of that. Mm. But in, and I think that given that the microwave mentality we, most of us have these days, like everything is now being done fast. Don't have those days where mm. you want to like, wait, wait, wait. I think that's what uh, American TV shows need to get on board. And of course, cleaning up some things. I mean, take for example, okay, I'm not a, okay, here's what I think. I'm not a prude, you know, I mean, sex is great. Sex is wonderful. But doctors having sex in the cafeteria, like doing work hours, like, How's that? Please make that make sense. How's that even professional? I mean, look at think about the germs. No wonder we have COVID these days. Like, like when mm. I think about things that don't make sense, like you just met someone in a coffee shop and then the next thing you guys are doing. Yeah, in the room. bathroom. Yeah, in, like, imagine a public bathroom. How disgusting! In my mind, you know, my mind goes far because I'm like, are you serious? Like, have you been to that restaurant before? Like, do they clean? How often do they clean? How about his like, that's breath? Where my mind is going. How about your breath? You know, like I know. And, oh, the worst for me is the morning scenes. Like oh first thing God. in the morning, y'all just woke up and you're all up in each other's mouths. I'm like, no, no. Breath is stinking. Stop lying to the masses. Stop lying. Ah. <laughs> So yeah, um, I think I think for a lot of us, we probably reach saturation, and and I guess with most with well, I hope I hope that American TV show creators can learn a thing or two from you know international markets because there's been a lot of people like a mass exodus. I mean, I'm not a I'm not in that field. I don't work there. But if someone like me could have you know boy, when I say soft boycott, it's not like I make it intentional. I just don't find it interesting anymore. The only things I tend to watch is things that I used to, I grew up watching, or things I used to watch many years ago. But these new TV shows, even, even like, you know, animated, like, sorry, not animated, like, take for example, Marvel and DC, I don't, I don't find it interesting anymore. And I think that could be quite problematic, which is why I go back again and said, I know there's a definitely, like, there's an intentionality behind, you know, Korean, the way they design their TV shows and their movies. I think it's purposely engineered to make you, so much addicted that you forget about things that you really, really love. And that's saying something right there. And I think that's what American TV show creators need to, you know, get on board with. Because, and I think for most people that, people that tend to see that watch a lot of Korean TV shows, it's because they love the cleanness of it, you know. They love that it's sometimes family-oriented and things are implied. I mean, once in a while, a TV show might show the kissing, but you don't see like, you know, body parts just hanging around, you know. (laughs) And there's so much emphasis on the greatness of somebody, you know. Hardly would you find, I mean, sometimes you, you know who the villain is, but there's always a backstory. There's always something they let you know. And at the end of the day, you come off thinking like, huh, you know what? I actually can understand why this person was a bad person. And I feel like that's what they try to do, like bringing out the greatness, the complexity of, of, of relationships, you know. And I haven't seen that a lot, you know, replicated in American TV shows. It's true, but do you know something I found very curious? That 90% of screenwriters in Korea are women. Yes. And I and for me, I was just like, of course, of course, we're not going to sexualize women and have them walking around with their boobs hanging out, you know. <laughs> I was just yeah. like, that is so beautiful. That 
to me, I, I just found that very, very um, amazing. And they write so well. Like, Sorry, go yeah, ahead. They, they yeah. do. I do love the way they really bring out, they really explore the character of a person. You know, it's not just black and white. It's what's happening in between. You know, sometimes even the the hero can can borderline on being the villain. Like you're like, oh, should I really like this person? You know, and you, you get to experience that. But then also, it makes you as a person not feel that you have to be perfect. And I think that because you know when we look at these um, stars, because they're huge, they're major. You know, um, even in Hollywood, what are we doing? We're trying to be like them, look like them, all of that kind of stuff. And if you're putting that, if you're putting, um, if you're putting unrealistic expectations of what a human should be in a show, <laughs> I find that problematic. But to be able to see someone struggle, you know, and go through different emotions ranges of emotions whether you're male or female you know and i i, I always like the way the men have access to their emotions i'm like do you know i always think this though i'm like if you're a korean actor um like you literally have to <laughs> you oh, have yeah. to have your tears on they, on they have fake tears. they use fake tears like that and i'll okay. let you i'll let you do know okay. that a lot of my korean like, new friends are like people, they're like so most crazy. Korean men are not like most Korean men are like that. What you see on TV usually mm. it's an exaggeration of just what they think men should do. Like again, mm. most of these are women writers. But yes. <laughs> I have a lot of Korean male friends that go, We don't cry like that, by the way. I'm like, okay, thanks for that. I know sometimes it's yeah. a bit too much. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, mm. Yeah. But I I I do think there is something well, okay. This for me, <clears throat> when I look at Korean movies right and I, I i don't know much about the culture right so then i'm thinking okay what is what of this is actually um True. reflective of what's in the culture mm-hmm. and what is um what what the writer would like to promote so what they want to see what are the values that they're trying to put across right now for me who you know is not korean obviously a lot of things will get lost in between um but i'm sure you know if you're somebody in you know who is very conversant with the culture you'll be able to see that oh okay maybe they're saying that men should also be cleaning the house <laughs> you know get on board that type of thing um and anyway you know i i do take a lot of things um let's say with a grain of salt not necessarily thinking that's the way the culture is um but i i i do appreciate that they're trying to promote those types of um let's say feminist uh, beliefs and just um values family values you know and uh, even ageism 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 is like a, an interesting one for me you know where the a younger guy goes after the older woman and i'm like you know they call, call, like, call, call it nuna love <laughs> oh, nuna love so yeah. at first i was like oh gosh that's that's kind of interesting yeah. you know it made me uncomfortable but then i was like after watching i'm like oh, okay yeah have you seen something in the rain no, I haven't. You the have to go recent, watch it. You have to go I'm watch it. I'm going to have to start writing this down. Yeah. I watched um, uh, a book. Is a book. Oh, Romance is a bonus book. There we go. Romance is a bonus book. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Episode 8. 
<laughs> Listen, everything happens in episode eight. <laughs> no, 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 no. Episode eight. Okay, this is maybe saying something. Episode eight, where one of the writers had gone to the store to buy something with her husband, and then she was pricing issue, and then the store owner kind of spoke to her rudely, and then her husband didn't defend her, and then she came out of the shop screaming at her husband. I'm like, whoa. Like, that scene broke my heart. Like, I cried a lot. And I keep going back to that scene because the angst, you know, it's probably for, like, married people that feel like, you know, I don't have a say in certain things. I think that that, that particular scene, it really... I mean, the, the series itself wasn't really my, my jam. I'm not really... I, I like the main actor, but then the female lead, I really... She's not very, I guess... She doesn't have a lot of... Her acting range for me is really limited because I've not seen her in a lot of things. But I, I think she's also very respected because she's, she's married to Hyun Bin, who's one of the top, you know, most <laughs> most wanted stars in, in Korea. But And as a whole, yeah, episode eight was you know, what did it in for me. And every now and then I'll just pop it in and, you know, go straight to episode eight and watch that scene over and over again. But yeah, um, when you're talking about the writers, I just want to give a shout out to none of that listening, but... One of my favorite writers is um, Kim Huni. I don't know if you've seen Kingdom. Okay, you probably wouldn't watch it. It's zombie, so you wouldn't watch it. But she's really good. She's a very good writer. Exactly. I was yeah. like, no, Kingdom is on my X list. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> I was hey, just talking about hey, it's, a, it's a good No, I'm sure it's a great show, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's the genre. I'm just like, I get it. I listen, get it. I, get I also, can't, I also, do you know the other thing I can't do? I can't do sure. rich people's problems because <laughs> it's too far removed listen, from you. <laughs> It's, no, it's ridiculous. Like my friend was trying to get me to watch mine. Have you have you seen mine? I have seen it. I have seen it. Oh God! Seen, so the it. first episode, like I said, I always try the first episode. If it don't work, if you don't have me laughing in stitches by the first episode, I'm gone. Anyway, so the first episode, this chick has hired a, a nanny. Yeah, yeah? For her, yeah. And this nanny is crazy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The nanny went and got the madam's uh, dress. Yeah, She's word. wearing it. There's a, around. There's a story she's behind dancing. you. There's a story no, behind you. I know. I know. No, 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 no. Mo, Mo, please. Let me finish. She's dancing around in the house like, oh, yeah, I look good in this dress. And this woman comes and finds the, her, her employee in her dress. And she says, oh, okay, take it off. And then she tells her, go to bed. And this chick goes, takes off the dress, and then comes back out. Like, I'm like, Fire why her. have you not fired her? <laughs> Rich people's problems. I cannot deal with this nonsense. I was like, I'm not watching this show. This this is nonsense. This is absolutely yeah. nonsense. This is one of things I like about shows like this and that. You pick what you like and there's so much to go around. There's always something for somebody. I mean, there's always find your corner and then stick stick it out. Um another mm-hmm. thing for me is also I think the mental health aspect of things. Not yes. in, in two ways. The way they depict mental health, I would say Korean dramas have done a much better job. And it's also reflecting in what we see in the society, in Korean society. In that there's a lot of talks now about mental health. So shows like It's Okay Not to Be Okay, shows like um Kill Me, Heal Me, and um It's Okay That's Love. Oh my gosh, like the way they depicted like even ser- like like um dissociative identity disorder, schizophrenia, and you know, you know, other like, childhood traumas, like so much talks about it. I think that's also something that I really, you know, I'm beginning to like more and I'd like to see more because that can spark off conversation. And because you know Korea is one of those top OECD countries, one of the top you know um, highest suicide rates in the world, it's just you know baffling when when you have a country that you know grown so much, but then there's yeah. still a high suicide rate. And then I think also the mental health aspect for me, I feel like sometimes watching Korean TV shows is almost like therapy, like the dialogue. Yes. 
if I could, mm-hmm. if I, if I read the script like just a script, like a novel, rather than watching it, I'll still gain something because it's a dialogue that gets to me. And because now that I learned the language, I'm able to like even have more deeper meaning behind it. Because I'll just, I just, I want to say this that the English translations they do a fairly good job in translating it, but because of the limitations of you know translating from one syntax to another, you lose a lot of you know context. You know, so. It, it's just sometimes it blows my mind the way the words I was like oh, and I'm, I love words you know I I love words I eat them for breakfast lunch and dinner so when I when those words just hit you it's almost like oh my god it's like therapy session I'm gonna suck into it but I just like that concept of just you know how they want to like portray their society as you know being together and of course you know it might not necessarily always be like that but I love what the writers you know strive to do but that said, we sh- we, I think we shouldn't get so carried away and not think about some of the dark sides of, you know, Korean drama. You know, mm-hmm. they, they explore, like, deeper issues like suicide, depression, anxiety. Bullying is a big issue. Even, Bullying, like, the, yeah. Yeah, even the capture, which is, like, the part distance between the house and the not-house. Korea is, you know, even though they f- it's one Korea, they speak one language, there's so much classism going on there. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you go to work and you can't leave work until your boss leaves. And that does, that's something very, very reflective of the society. Speaking of which, you need to watch Missing, um, you know, An Incomplete Life. That okay. show captivated a lot of Koreans. Like, it sparked the movement. Everybody would leave work early to go watch the show. There's, no, <laughs> there's, there's zero romance there, but it's so deep. Mm-hmm. It talks mm-hmm. about just the struggles of, you know, of, of making it. When you're nobody, when you know nobody, mm-hmm. and you want to break into the scene and get a job and do well at work and all of the you know the travels that come with that. And the main um um actor, what's his name? I keep forgetting his name. Kim Siwan, is it Siwan? Siwan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is even when they're not saying anything, the way your face, like I feel like it's almost like method acting. You embody the role in such a way that even when you don't talk, the way you carry yourself, the, the look you give. You're still the role still keeps being played on, and I really, really love a lot of dialogues in that um, drama. And yeah, um, so I think just to round us off, we're both Africans. We've you know explored you know Korean entertainment. Are you considering um, learning the language for startups? And my second question is, what do you think African movie makers can glean from? Um, Korean dramas in the areas of global rich storytelling and cultural fusion because we have all of that we have you know good storytellers from- So, you know what? I think, um, you know, I have thought about learning the language. Um, I won't lie, I'm a bit lazy in terms of learning the language. But I think even as you watch, you sort of pick up words. And I'll be like, I'll be looking at a translation and be like, that's not what he said. (laughs) That's not what he said. Please, stop lying to the masses. But anyway, (laughs) so I have actually thought about learning the language. And um, funny enough, my friend and I have... Um, decided we're going to South Korea uh, next year, 2022 um, October for our birthdays. We're both uh, October babies. So I think I need to pick up a few words. A few Wait, more October words. October what? October what are you? I'm 13. I'm ninth. Really? Yes. Liberal baby. Yeah. All right, go so, ahead. Yeah, we've decided that we're going to do that. So I'm very excited for that trip. And I think I need to pick up a few more words. Yeah. Um, And then in terms of storytelling, do you know what I think African people should do is, one, focus on 
um, Africans, focus on entertaining Africans. I think so much of the time we are striving to be in Hollywood, you know, to do what Hollywood is doing or, you know, what other people are doing. But I think we need to really have, um, we need to tailor it to what suits us and we need to do the research. We need to figure out, okay, what is it that people really like? What type of formats do they really like? How can we make them have ownership? Because I think, you know, when we're just talking about how um, the shows in Korea, Korea are made, you know, on demand, you know, that's because they've given the people ownership. So if the people can feel like they can actually influence the story, then of course they're going to stay glued. You know what I mean? Um, and I really do, what I also really like is the way the different industries work together. And that's just like, um, even in Hollywood, right? So, you know, you have, um, you have the movie people, then you've got the music industry that's in there. And then, you know, you've got all these different industries that are coming together to put this production together. Um, and I think that we need to be a bit more collaborative, right? Because, you know, you watch local shows, maybe it'll have like some drumming and stuff like that, you know, um, acoustic type of music. But go to the artists, get them involved, help them to promote the show. People get excited, like, oh, that person is there. Make a whole album for your show, you know, whatever it is. But I, I just feel like there's, there's opportunity for more collaboration. But to keep on looking on the outside, as that's the golden standard, I don't think that's the way. I think we need to decide for ourselves what is going to work. I mean, I'll give you an example. Let's let's talk about like Tyler Perry, right? He does not focus. His main goal is to focus on black people. He's he's like, listen, you can call my my, my movies um, all sorts of names, but my focus, I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the black people, and the black people have supported him. Look at that 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 um, what Huge, you call it? His that studio that, yeah, that yeah. he's made. Yeah. Was he focused on the masses? No, he was just focused on one demographic. You understand? And even with Korea, listen, they are so focused on you know entertaining their own people yeah Yeah, they're not they're not concerned about you know even when when someone wins like the lady that just won the oscar oh yeah for minari she was yeah she was just like well okay this is just another thing (laughs) but where she's from she's amazing like they love her they adore her because there's they're focused within they're looking within they're not looking without so i really do feel that we need to We need to say to ourselves, what is it that we want to see? What is it that we want to promote in our stories? And then how do we tell stories that are collaborative with different mediums? Yep, I agree with you. But I, I would like to also add something to what you said, almost like a, a little bit of a like a different kind of view. Um, mm-hmm. So shout out to, I mean, Minari was a good was a good one. The fact that they even got that global, um, I guess, Oscars, right? Academy Award award for like you know um for that i think that that shows the rich korea is having even though the main actor um this is yun 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 she was like they don't really care about oscars but hey it's okay for those that are, those that are watching a lot of korean dream, it's all good to be able to talk about korea everyone confused with other countries like china and all that just to add to what you had talked about about um focusing on entertaining africans i'll say that that is good but also because we want to the world is such a place that anybody people should be able to reach and say, so if I want to watch, you know, entertainment from this country, what is going to be like? I think while we're focusing on Africans, let's see how we can also export it. Because I think that's where the reach will be bigger. 
And I'll say this because Korean entertainment, like Hallyu Wave or whatever you want to call it, was a deliberate move by the government. Like they have a department within the government that is tasked with increasing the reach of Korean dramas. Like it's heavily funded. It's, I mean, it was very deliberate. It's why sometimes I, I think it's a very good diabolical plan because think about BTS and every, I mean, they put in a lot of money. And I think that's where Africans get on board because a lot of our, you know, our media houses are self-funded. I mean, I speak as a Nigerian, Nollywood, there's little government, you know, funds going in there. These things are driven by investors, like, and even by the producers themselves. So there needs to be more government involvement because we, our culture, Africa is so rich. You know, just talking about Zambia, when we talked about it earlier on, with, you know, many languages that are being spoken there. Imagine if we had, like, creators being funded well to, like, showcase the diversity. And that can even create more room for, you know, cross-collaboration among Africans. Another thing is that Korea does it such a way that when there's, like, when they, they do a lot of product placements, which, you know, sometimes I roll my eyes because it's just done in a very cheesy way. Me it's, too. I'm like, yeah. oh, please, <laughs> Like, do you have to please. show everything that, like, do you, but I'll let you know, it's working. Because guess what? My car is Korean. My phone is, phone is Korean. My my TV is Korean, um, Korean brand. My um, my t- my fridge, my... I mean, heck, you know, it, it's working. And it's very deliberate. And I think that's one thing, one thing Africans can also get on board in. You know, showcasing some of the things we have. Another thing I also like to add is, you know, a lot of the... Like, take, for example, Goblin. Goblin is one TV show that really blew, you know, niche, like, you know, globally... A lot of where the scenes were shot, like they had a place in Canada, they had some place in Korea. Those are popular, you know, destination spots. We can use those opportunities to showcase the richness we have in Africa. I mean, you guys have Victoria Falls that, you know, is, is you know, based in Zambia. Heck, mm. that could be, I mean, people know about Victoria Falls. Like, course, I guess if you, yeah. if you walk to an average American, they don't know what that is, you know, lo- that looks like. So we can boost the local scene, like shooting different things we don't have to like show people traveling abroad before we can think about this i mean is nigeria or is zambia that boring that we can't like find like hot spots like shoot movies at and again it's please do, like you said do your research i like what it's about doing the research but what are doing that let's improve on quality gone are those oh, days where yes. audio, audio is like 10 seconds away from you know the acting like let's just think guys like you know if we still invest a lot oh. of money but I, I can just see that. Add, they, also, yeah. editing, editing. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. want us to see everything from when they got in the car, they <laughs> went and opened the gates, and then they started driving to get to the office. No, bra, we don't need to see all of that. Can you edit? I don't know about Zambia, but I think Nigeria movies have they've improved a lot. But still, I still find it very. I still find it very difficult sometimes to sit down and watch a whole Nigerian movie all from beginning to end. And I guess because for me, there's so many similarities. I watch movies to escape from reality. And when I see things that are too similar, I'm like, eh, I'm done. You know, but I, I have a lot of non-Nigerian friends who they watch a lot of our movies. And I appreciate them for that. And I want to keep encouraging them. But I know that Nollywood has really reached a lot, you know, because when you think about African entertainment, Nollywood stands out. But Nollywood is just one. We have more than 50 countries in Africa. Imagine if every country in Africa, you know, had their own you know, uniqueness and we can even blow up and that can even boost like tourism and people can learn to know about, you know, oh, Africa is not a country. No, sis, no, bra. It's a continent. It has, you know, so many diversity there. But yeah, it's a long way to go. But I, I mean, I guess the future, we just have to wait and see. Because um, 
things will have to change. Things will have to change if we want to cash in on that money. But yeah, um, finally, finally, this this was really nice talking to you. We'll go talking on and on. I know you're a podcaster. Tell us about your podcast, where people can find you from. And guys, she's amazing. Chulo, Chulo is a community convener. That's her superpower. She's very, very passionate about women and you know helping them grow in their purpose. And she does it in, in such a beautiful way. But please let the audience know, you know, how that is like for you. Oh, thank you, Mo. So I um so you can find out about me on www.africanawoman.com. So there's an A after the Africana, Africanawoman.com. And basically it opens up the whole world. There's a, a podcast, a blog, and a community which is called The Visionaries. And um, I mean the work that I do really does focus on empowering the African woman. And when I say the African woman, I know a lot of people will assume like, oh, she's just talking about black people, but you know on the continent like we've been saying there's so many um different types of people on this continent so as long as you have a heart for africa you are more than welcome to um listen so the podcast is called africana woman with chulu and i interview women um who have african roots whether they are on the continent or in the diaspora and we talk about issues that um, basically break the culture of silence around, um, you know, taboo topics or, or things that people just find uncomfortable to talk about. So we really try to make them accessible. And we, our hope is that it will spark conversations in your ho- own homes. I always say that I, I ask the guest to open the door to her home and we can be that proverbial fly on the wall. <laughs> so but it, it makes lots of conversations very accessible and um yeah like i said I, I really do hope that it helps and empowers you so look for africanawoman.com or you can find me on social media instagram is my playground that's that's chulu underscore by design there you have it guys chulu underscore by design and check out her content on instagram she she's amazeballs all right, Chulu, this was it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's really, really nice talking with you. And to take our conversation off of WhatsApp onto the pod screen, it's really been amazing. And I wish you, you know, a safe weekend. I know things are getting hot in Zambia right now, but I pray for a very, very um, warm and positive outcome and that no more lives will be lost. And so from all of us here, I wanted to say thank you so much for being here t- today with us. Thank you. Thank you so much to the listeners. All right. Bye, guys, and catch you guys on another episode of the Morcible Podcast. All right, lady, I'll let you know when this comes out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Morcible Podcast. Well, guess what? There's plenty more where that came from. So visit our website at www.mosibyl.com. That is www.mosible.com where you can find hours of other binge-worthy episodes just like this one. And while you're at it, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Podbean as it encourages other awesome people like you to listen to the podcast as well. We are now officially on Podbean. It has an app. You can catch up on missed episodes and also get a notification when we have new episodes. Do you have a question for our guest, feedback on the episode, or a suggestion for a future guest? Then please get in touch with us by sending us an email at talktomo at mostable.com or connect with us via Instagram at the Moral Civil Podcast. Cannot wait to hear from you, and thank you so much for always listening. Mm-hmm.